Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I've got a hankering for some cantankering. It's high noon for Monday, August 10th, 2020. And whoa, did we have a big weekend. I posted my high noon on Friday And then things got so much higher. So not long after I posted the chance of any potential deal being reached between Democrats and Republicans on coronavirus relief fell to zero. The talks broke off. And immediately after that, Andrew Cuomo announced that New York schools would reopen. And Chuck Schumer took to the stage to announce that all the country's schools should open. And it's important to understand why these two occurrences are connected. The announcement of schools being opened by people who had resisted it due to the science and the data hours before. And the talk's breaking off, okay? What you need to understand about it is what the Democrats were demanding in the financial relief package, okay? The Trump side wanted a trillion-dollar package primarily aimed at putting money into people's pockets, $400 a week, which was less than the 600 intentionally, Because the 600 was making it so people would not want to go back to work. And if people prefer to stay home and get paid by the government rather than go work, those people are not American and need to not be catered to. Okay? I'm sorry that they don't get as much money as they want. There is a way to fix that. It's by improving your station in life through skills and ambition. And hard work, not 
trying to vote in terrible politicians to destroy the country that is trying to protect you in the first place. Okay. And so they set it at $400, which the Democrats said was unacceptable because, of course, they want people to stay home and not go to work. Because if they have to go back out to work, then the economy starts functioning better. Okay. You need to understand that that is evil. It's not wrong by the data alone. It's actually evil. It is counterproductive to what American citizens need. That is the only reason these people are in office. And why were they demanding that, among other things? What else were they demanding? Well, there are two main aspects to what the Democrats wanted. And what they wanted was over $3 trillion. What they wanted was concessions, political concessions for the teachers unions, all of whom in the blue states were protesting restarting the school year because they wanted to enact social justice reforms like Medicare for all and defunding the police. These have nothing to do with COVID, as we've discussed many times. They wanted to ban charter schools, which would directly hurt the people they're pretending to care about. And then they wanted government money funneled into the schools. So that's what the teachers unions wanted. The teachers unions are a public sector union. Public sector unions should not exist. And these unions are massive Democratic donors. 90% of donor contributions to political campaigns goes to Democrats. Okay? The California Teachers Union is a very, very big Democratic donor in the state. The Los Angeles Teachers Union has ridiculous demands totally unrelated to COVID and has a former Black Lives Matter member as its head. Okay, so understand all of this. What their the teachers union was doing was holding children's futures hostage so that they could enact woke political reforms. I am not overstating this. I am not exaggerating this. This is not some partisan take. This is what happened. Okay. If you believe that everything that conflicts with your narrative is biased then either you don't believe in objective truth at all or you believe that objective truth is something that only you and your peers have access to, okay? This is what they were going for and Trump called that bluff. The other thing that they were going for in the relief package was a trillion dollars of federal funding to bail out states that were hurt by their own choices to lock down, particularly California and New York. California already is $100 billion deep in unfunded pensions. They have unfunded health care. And this lockdown, Gavin Newsom's lockdown, has now cost the state $50 billion. All right? They wanted a massive chunk of that $1 trillion package to include federal money to bail them out for their own incompetence. And Trump called that bluff too. 
You see, the way these negotiations work is that both sides generally have a common interest. And that common interest in this case was stopping uh, evictions, making sure people had money to pay for food and rent. Because, you know, people have children and families that aren't allowed to work because their governor said so. And so both sides wanted to help those people. One side wanted to include a bunch of stuff that doesn't help those people and does put the country trillions deeper into debt and does make them look like they are not incompetent. Okay. This is taking money from American taxpayers to cover up their own mistakes so that they are not punished by the voters in their states that they are meant to be representing. That is reprehensible. That is every single thing that is wrong with American politics. And so Trump called both these bluffs. The deal broke down because, of course, why would Trump give them that? Just because that's how things go? This is a complete exposure of the absolute moral decay of the people in public elected office. Their goal, Democrats' goal, was to take American taxpayer money and funnel it to their own political causes. We need to be very, very clear on that. There is no other explanation. And if you want further proof, I am going to make a prediction so that you can check my logic when and if it happens, okay? Gavin Newsom will open California schools this week. He might even do it today. And why is he going to do that? Well, because he no longer has cover from Andrew Cuomo and Chuck Schumer. There is no scientific reason. There is no reason based on coronavirus spread in California that schools should not be open. There is none. There is none. Someone's going to say, oh, but the kids, they spread the disease. No, no, there's none. None. Okay. Schools have been open this entire time in other parts of the world. There is as yet not one recorded case of a child Infecting a teacher, zero, zero, worldwide, zero, none. People who say these things, people who print these articles, people who are genuinely scared, all of these people are wrong. And rather than being able to prove they are right, they will try to make you sound like a bad and insensitive and uninformed person Because you don't share their fear. This is destroying society. It is destroying the trust in institutions. It is destroying the trust among people. And it is totally morally bankrupt. And it is not both sides. So later Friday afternoon, Trump decided to do a a press event at his resort in New Jersey. 
And originally it was just going to be an event with no press. Uh, it was on his schedule as closed to press. And he decided to invite the press in as well as some of the members of the resort that were there. And so he gave a speech to them, which is actually a really good speech. If you haven't watched the last three Trump speeches, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you need to watch them. You absolutely need to watch them from beginning to end. And you need to understand that the things he's saying are true. I know them to be true because I follow these issues every single day and I know what he should do before he announces what he is doing. And those two things correspond in full. I have absolutely no problem taking these Trump speeches and his claims and backing them up with facts. The media does not do that. The media finds things from the speeches and then makes huge stories out of them. Whether he misspoke or misframed something, whatever. They will find something and run that rather than talking about what he actually said. Okay. So after his speech, he opened it up to questions. And the first question was about an intelligence assessment that said China and Iran would prefer a Joe Biden presidency, but that Russia would prefer a Trump presidency. And they asked specifically about Russia and then China, not mentioning Iran. And so, of course, like everyone else in the world who doesn't believe everything the media says, Trump knew exactly what they were doing and handled it as such. The next question was about how his guests in the room were not following New Jersey's social distancing guidelines. And so Trump said that Actually, it's not true because this is a political event and political events are exempted. Can anyone guess why political events are exempted? Oh, it's because they have a Democratic governor and they are happy to encourage extremely peaceful protests. And so Trump says, yeah, I mean, it's a political event, so they're, they actually don't have to follow those guidelines. And you know what? You could actually call it a peaceful protest. And the room erupted in laughter. They had, I actually uh, should have said this immediately, but when the reporter brought up that they weren't wearing masks and social distancing, the room broke out in boos, booing the reporter for how lame and petty and pathetic his question was. And so an uproar of laughter when uh, he said it was a peaceful protest, which he doubled down on, which was a thing of beauty because the whole peaceful protest thing is such utter bullshit. We've now been under two and a half months of this nonsense, raging violence in Seattle, in Portland, in Chicago, in New York. Last night, another night long looting and rioting in Chicago, their mayor can't control at all because she is as corrupt and dishonest as any politician you could ever see. She complained yesterday that some dudes in little Speedos were out tanning in the park. She went there to shut it down. And she allows riots and has allowed riots and the most gun violence in the fucking world. These are terrible, terrible people. 
okay? And she finally admitted today, so brave that these violent riots were not part of peaceful protest. Of course, they're so separate. They have nothing to do with one another. So the reporters keep asking questions. And when reporters ask questions at Trump press conferences, they are basically framing uh, their questions to make Trump look like he's stupid or lying. Because they have already implanted narratives for their viewers that the things they're saying are true and that they and their viewers have not only the moral high ground against Trump, but they have the universal set of facts of which Trump has none. And that is purely dishonest. It is indecent and it is un-American. What the media is doing is anti-American, okay? They are tearing the country apart based on lies and they're doing so as a factor of their own corruption. And so at the end of the speech, Trump began to call out exactly what their tactics were that they were using in real time. And the crowd erupted in applause. And I thought to myself, Finally, finally, the media and the nation are on the same level playing field. The media has finally seen in real time what the nation actually thinks of them, of Jim Acosta and Caitlin Collins and Maggie Haberman and the Lincoln Project and all these pathetic, soulless dunces who will say anything, anything to protect China and ruin Trump. Anything to make themselves the good guys, to associate themselves with the woke celebrities. They all like, it's, it's unbelievable to me. The media all want to be famous and the famous people all want their opinions to be taken seriously. It is such a pathetic marriage of entire, of almost entirely garbage individuals. Just remember how they fawned over Jussie Smollett, how they take Alyssa Milano seriously. And so, of course, they had a meltdown and tried to paint the room as just Trump supporters, as if there was a violent riot in there. It was people reacting naturally to what they could see and hear. It is something that everyone knows. If you are still wrapped up in the media's central narrative, it is time to let it go. People talk about how this is the most important election ever. If it is, act like it. And the way you act like it is by considering that you might be wrong. Okay? You don't double down on the thing you already believe because you're so certain it's right. That is not what it looks like to make an important decision. That is what it looks like to be a child. That is childish behavior, and childish thinking, and no one should be rewarded for it or respected for it. If you know people that are doing this, 
that are out there campaigning for Joe Biden and have never taken even a second to think about whether or not they might be wrong. Those people should not be respected. They should not be listened to. They probably shouldn't be your friends because you are around an extremely dangerous person. So on Saturday afternoon, in the wake of the deal falling apart, Donald Trump gave another speech and took more questions, again with an audience, that did not like the reporters. His speech was about the four executive orders he was signing to give relief to actual Americans. He did a payroll tax cut. He extended the unemployment benefits. He extended eviction protection. And he extended the protections for student loan borrowers making the interest rate on their loan 0% until the end of the year. All of those things directly help American people. There is no question about that. The Democrats had the option one day prior to agree to do all of those things. They chose not to because the bill would not, under any circumstance, give them the money that they wanted to appease teachers unions and bail out poorly run blue states, period. That is all there is to it. So Trump signed these executive orders, and then he went back to the mic to take some questions. And eventually a reporter asked a very stupid question that had already been answered. She was clearly trying to badger him and make a new story which is what fake news is. When people talk about fake news, that's what they are talking about. Reporters inventing stories on their own, taking insignificant issues and making them huge scandals because they have nothing to actually report that will fit their narrative. So they make stories about themselves. They make stories about how Trump didn't want to answer this question because it's so damning for Trump. No, Trump didn't want to answer that question because it was rude bullshit. And he has walked off the stage before. That is what he does now when reporters are doing that. And it is very funny to watch. But it's also bad. And the reason it's bad is because the media, through their own narcissistic bullshit, is making it impossible for other media members to ask questions of the nation's leader that the people in the country might want to know the answers to. And that's their only goddamn job. So yesterday, Nancy Pelosi, in response, took to the morning shows to say that not only were Trump's executive orders uh, unconstitutional, but that they wouldn't help and that what the Democrats were trying to do was help bail out people that had coronavirus and black people and minorities and women and teachers and everyone who you are already sympathetic toward as a victim. But the thing is, Trump just did that the day before with the executive orders because those executive orders help all the Americans that need the help. And when she talks about unconstitutionality, what you need to know 
is that what gives Trump the power to sign those executive orders was Obama signing DACA and then the Supreme Court confirming it like a month ago. So the Democrats are going after Trump for signing, an ex- for signing executive orders and thus usurping the Congress. But the root of him being able to do so was President Obama signing DACA because he and Democrats like Nancy Pelosi tried to make a national feel-bad issue out of these poor DACA students. Like it was a national emergency to get DACA done. That is literally what he did. Republicans at the time, like Senator Ted Cruz, told Obama that he should not do this because there is a chance that in the future one day, there would be a president doing something that they did not like and that he was giving them the power and the precedent to do so. They warned them for this exact situation. So the Democrats have no standing to complain about the constitutionality of the executive order. They did it. They did it to themselves. Likewise, if they were to get elected this fall, which thank God they won't be, they want to expand the seats on the Supreme Court so that they can lock in a permanent Supreme Court majority. And they want to add senators from the city of Washington, D.C. and from Puerto Rico. They want to make both of those places states so that they can add four more Democratic senators. How do you see this as anything other than a hostile takeover of government? It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous that they're coming out and talking about suing Trump over these executive orders. I mean, fine, send it to the courts, fine. But what they're doing is delaying relief. And now supposedly they're ready to come back to the table. Bullshit. Bullshit. If they come back to the table, Trump is still not going to give them what they want. And what they might do is sign on to this package so that they can look like they were the ones that really helped and they restored the constitutionality of it. That is dishonest garbage. No one should accept this from their leaders. Yesterday morning, documents were declassified having to do with the FBI's crimes and corruption in the case of Michael Flynn and the whole Russiagate scandal. Also, a man named Stephen Schrag published a piece on Matt Taibbi's Substack site, where Taibbi does his reporting now. Taibbi, by the way, might be the country's best journalist, and he is a true patriot and a very, very honest man. And so he put his stamp of approval on the essay Steve Schrag wrote. And what he wrote was about his doctoral advisor, a man named Stefan Halper, who was at the center of the operation to undermine the legitimacy of Trump's presidency, okay? This operation was known about, discussed, and coordinated at the highest level of government. And that means Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Susan Rice, the Clintons, all of these people are implicated in the Crossfire Hurricane scandal. There is very real potential that this will go down as the biggest scandal in American history. Bigger than Watergate by a mile. 
And what it points to is decades and decades of corruption and then attempts to cover that corruption. Crossfire Hurricane was started to frame Carter Page, to frame the Trump campaign as Russian assets, to win Hillary Clinton the election. And then Hillary lost. And she lost on election night. And you might remember that she did not take the stage to give a concession speech that night. Trump went out and gave his victory speech. And good for Trump. Because had Trump not done that, he would have signaled to the world that he also was in doubt about the results of the election. Hillary conceded the next day. But that night, she had John Podesta, of all people, come out onto the stage and say, we're going to uh, wait until tomorrow to, you know, tell you what happened to a crowd of a couple thousand supporters expecting the biggest victory party of all time so that they could all scream, I'm with her, while they listen to R-E-S-P-E-C-T. So Hillary Clinton went back to her advisors and to her husband and to every power player in the Democratic Party for the last half century, who was still alive. And they discussed, you can be sure, on what her options were to get the presidency. Remember, there were only 78,000 votes in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Do you think that with friendly governors in those states, Hillary Clinton couldn't have orchestrated recounts? I don't think that that's impossible. In fact, I think it's likely because we know who these people are and these people are showing us who they are. And it's funny because on Friday night, Gretchen Whitmer, along with the governor of Nevada, they both declared that racism was a public health crisis. Now, as a slogan, like defund the police, you, you tend to think, oh, well, you know, they're just like making a different classification about racism. They're just saying that racism is really important, right? No, 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 no. What they're doing is giving themselves the latitude to be able to use the racism as a public health crisis thing to then say that black people are more susceptible to COVID. Therefore, in-person voting will be dangerous to black people and thus part of the racist health crisis. And so universal mail-in balloting is a must. Michigan is a swing state. Nevada is a swing state. How are we letting this happen? How are we approving of this happening? And how are people still talking about absentee ballots and requested mail-in ballots as the same thing as universal ballots? They are not the same. So Steve Schrag's story implicates all of these people. And it details a, a complex series of unbelievably stupid mistakes and incidents that paint this whole Trump-Russia collusion narrative as 
purely ridiculous. To the point where everyone involved with it knew it was purely ridiculous when they were saying it. So they tried to undermine Michael Flynn so that he would not be installed as Trump's national security advisor on the transition team and then was meant to be the national security advisor at the White House. And so Obama had already fired Flynn and they didn't like Flynn. And Joe Biden suggested that it was possible that Michael Flynn had violated the, the Logan Act. Something that no one has ever been tried under and that many people believe is unconstitutional in the first place. But nonetheless, that made it into the central narrative and became part of the case. Who thought of that? Joe Biden thought of that. He proposed that. Okay. And so they undermined Michael Flynn and then they framed Michael Flynn and then they threatened Michael Flynn's son so that Michael Flynn would admit to lying and then be forced out of his position, which is exactly what happened. Okay. And all of this was the undercurrent of the Trump-Russia collusion narrative. And that narrative played out for three years. It was the biggest story in the news for three straight years. And it was all based on this, based on lies concocted by Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and their cohort. This should be clear to everyone that the former president and the prior administration and their allies attempted a soft coup against the United States. These are crimes against America. And I feel pretty confident saying this at this point because I've been following this for a while. I know that that is a provocative claim. And I make it so that you open yourself to this possibility because I feel like it is coming down the pike real fast. And so we look at how the, re the rest of those three years played out. Trump lost Flynn. Trump was constantly dogged and delegitimized by Russian collusion claims Mueller was involved. Mueller did not find Russian collusion. Mueller, in fact, left out specific people from his report, like Steve Schrage. Why did he do that? Mueller put his report out, finding no Russian collusion, and people still didn't buy it. Bill Maher went on his uh, show that evening after the announcement and ranted about how Bob Mueller wasn't the right guy for the job, obviously, because everybody knows there's Russian collusion. No, everybody doesn't know that. You guys know that. Except that you don't know it. It's just that everybody says it. And when you talk to people who don't know anything, one of the things that they'll say and the argument style that they rely on is things everyone knows. They expect that you are equally as uninformed and uninterested as they are. 
And so they'll say, everyone knows to make you feel like the outcast, that you are the one that doesn't understand what's going on. Do not let them do this to you. And so then we get to impeachment. They actually had the balls to try to impeach this guy. They couldn't keep him out of office. They couldn't delegitimize him enough once he got into office. They couldn't cover up their scandal well enough. They couldn't find anything through Bob Mueller. And so they tried to impeach him over a situation that Biden really was involved with and that really might take him down. And they did all this to prevent what is happening now. And what is happening now is Donald Trump and William Barr exposing all of this. And this is just the beginning. And this is going to be a rocky few weeks, maybe the 11, 12 weeks left until the election. But I encourage you to spend as much time as you can taking the decision you make very seriously. And the way you take it seriously is not by posting memes and it's not by yelling at people. It's figuring out whether or not you are wrong. So we're going to leave it there. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to more hopes fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at imyourmoderator.com or use the hashtag heymoderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon where I'll have additional daily ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble, and bit shoot. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at imyourmoderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash imyourmoderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range.
It's hell!